Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 149, the review for Thor Love and Thunder. to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, The Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And today, we are getting around to talking about Thor Love and Thunder, the latest film from Marvel Studios and the fourth entry in the Thor franchise. Now, before we get into the review itself, let's just talk about my thoughts of Thor as a character and the films that preceded this one. Now, I like Thor, but I would say he was never really one of my top tier characters. I only really started to pay attention to him in the late 2000s where I started seeing more of him show up in some of these animated Marvel movies. But also once I started playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance, I really started to gain an appreciation for the character, his supporting cast, his rogues gallery, the mythology and the different worlds and, you know, the crazy sci-fi fantasy supernatural mythology shenanigans. It was all really cool. So when I found out about Thor being adapted into a live action film i was super jazzed for that and even though it's not liked so much these days i quite like thor number one it still holds a special place in my soul i really like the way in which they were able to translate the armor the dynamics between thor and loki thor loki and odin and thor and odin was pretty cool I thought that the start of Thor and Jane's relationship was pretty solid. I just didn't like the fact that they kissed in the end because it made Jane look like she was more obsessed, like, you know, love obsessed than she needed to be. I thought like they had like a decent dynamic. I just wish that they had had more time to stay together, like over the course of a week as opposed to a weekend. I wish Loki's rule in Asgard had been longer than just a couple days. And I wish that we got to see more action sequences that were as compelling as the first incident on the frost giant world of uh, Jotunheim. But I still like the action. I like the music. I really like the performances of most of the characters involved. And yeah, it's still just super fun for me. And then we get to Thor the Dark World, which at the time when I first saw it, I thought this is pretty decent. It gave me a few things that I was looking for in the first movie in terms of more real world locations like, you know, sets and getting to see more of uh, Thor's dynamic with uh, Loki and a couple other things. But beyond the Thor Loki dynamic that was still really good and having Renee Russo as Thor's mum have like a moment before she died and her funeral, which was beautiful. I think that film was just a bit meh. It's crazy for as many things that were happening, it just feels like a very redundant movie that didn't fully utilize its characters. The Warriors 3 and Sif get nothing to do. Malekith was a terribly boring villain, especially compared to his comic book counterpart. And Thor and Jane, as much as I don't mind their dynamic in the first film, in the second one, it was just horribly painful to watch. And Chris O'Dowd, man, I was super hyped to see him in a Marvel film, but he was just completely pointless. So yeah, that wasn't very good. So then we move on to 2017 with Thor Ragnarok, the movie that everybody loves. And this is not me hating on anyone that likes this film, but there are certain people who 
you know if you're not in love with a film that everybody universally agrees on then you know you have to justify that opinion or just be bombarded with a bunch of hate comments i think thor ragnarok has a lot of really great stuff in there i like the dynamic between thor and hulk i think there are some decent moments of character development and i like the world i love the film score and I think there's some really great stuff in there. I just think as an overall movie, it didn't quite hit me the way I would have liked. I like my films to have a good balance between humor and seriousness. And I felt like the humor came at the expense of the more dramatic elements. There always seemed to be a joke at a moment where you could have had a little bit more drama or allowed a more dramatic moment to breathe. And uh, yeah, I just was never overly keen on the fact that Asgard blew up and Korg made a joke. And I'm just like, come on, man. This is supposed to be serious. But yeah, Thor Ragnarok, I have always been on this little island where I'm like, I'm not obsessed with the movie. And every time I mention that, everyone's just like, whoa. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, just chill, just chill. It's okay to not like something that's incredibly popular. But now we move on to Thor Love and Thunder, which I honestly wasn't super hyped about. I thought the idea of bringing Jane back and doing the whole Thor... Uh, element from the Jason Aaron run was an interesting idea but I wanted to see how it worked in execution then I saw those set pictures of Natalie Portman with a toned down I'm like okay and then I saw that first teaser trailer I'm like yo okay I'm interested now and I didn't watch anything after that because I thought the teaser trailer was plenty and I'm glad that I did because I heard from a couple friends that some of the later trailers showed a lot of key moments from the movie so I'm like yep I won again can't get me marking idiots but but anyway, it's time to talk about the movie. So we're going to talk about the story, characters, presentation, and overall conclusion. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in. So the story for this film could be summed up as the following. The new main threat in this film happens to be an individual known as Gore the God Butcher, who has a weapon that has the power to take out godlike beings. So it is down to Thor with the help of his mate Korg, King Valkyrie, and his ex-girlfriend Jane, who happens to have the powers of Thor now, to band together and travel across the galaxy to meet this threat head-on and take them out before they can, you know, take out all the gods. And that is a way for me to summarize this film without going into the area of spoilers. Now, I quite like this film. I think even though there are definitely elements where I think Thor Ragnarok was a little better when it came to having a tighter, more simple plot and some of the humor that worked a little better, I felt like this plot just had a lot more stakes, a lot more interesting elements. And when it came to the dramatic slash more emotional moments, this one just handled them better for me. I like the idea of Gore, his story was pretty interesting and compelling, and then seeing how it played into what was going on with Thor and Jane, and how the themes of love, loss, purpose, fate, and family, among other things, was handled just in a really nice way. I was just super in. Now, I will admit, this film, its humor, like I said before, doesn't hit as well as Ragnarok did and even though I didn't find that film like crazy funny I do recognize that the humor in that one just felt a little better but there were definitely moments where it was more the subtle jokes whether it was something physical or certain one-liners that got me 
But there are other times where the humor just doesn't quite hit the mark. And there is this one running gag that happens throughout the film. If you've seen it, you know exactly what it is. But at first, it was funny the first few times. But then as it goes on throughout the film, you're like, okay, shut it down. This is actually starting to get a little annoying. Another thing is, yes, there are certain tonal inconsistencies in this film where sometimes it is super serious. Then there's other times where it's super jokey. And I guess that just comes down to Taika Waititi's style as a director. His films all have this wonderful, weird, quirky style, which is super overly humorous at everything. And sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. But I've definitely noticed over the course of not watching all of his films, but most of the ones that I've seen, it's a very similar feeling over the course of those. And I think maybe just Taika Waititi's humor on occasion just isn't for me, but as a director, I do appreciate the fact that he just goes for it and just goes as weird and as wacky and as wonderful, but also has a human element to it where it sort of mostly grabs everything together. I think this film also did a good job of retroactively changing how I felt about the previous two movies. Well, more so the second one than anything else because it does a little bit of groundwork to get you to understand what happened in between certain Marvel films and then when you see what they did with small retcons here and there I'm like oh okay I like when a film that comes out afterwards is able to make me appreciate something that came before that's what the Winter Soldier did for the first Avenger which was a film at the time I did not like that much at all but now I've definitely started to come around on that film in late later years but yeah I would say overall the plot for this film it's definitely pretty wacky it goes in some really funky places but I feel like when it works it works really well I definitely like the emotional stuff in there and the post credit scenes in this film are interesting I wouldn't say they're earth shattering but it definitely gives me hope for some stuff that might happen in the future of the MCU because this film has opened up the mythology of Thor, but also the potential for other shenanigans that might go down. And this is the kind of stuff I've wanted to see in the Thor side of the MCU since the since the Dark World came out. So I'm hoping this is going to be some good stuff, but we shall see. We shall see. All right, and now it's time to talk about the cast. And I thought they all did a pretty good job, though some definitely stood out more so than others. So let's start with Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Now, I thought he was pretty good. Hemsworth has always been pretty good in this role, but it was definitely once they started to insert a little bit more humor for him by the time we got to like Age of Ultron and then with Thor Ragnarok that they recognized how much humor that they can insert into this character. And while I feel on occasions it's been to the detriment of him and I feel like they've also sort of dumbed him down a lot more than he used to come across. When he has his moments to be reflective uh, to do that whole introspective kind of thing and you know assess how much he has gained but also how much he's lost over the course of like the MCU timeline he has a lot of really great moments just to pause and you know reflect and just act really dramatic and Hemsworth has always been pretty good I quite liked him in this movie I also really like Christian Bell as Gore the God Butcher and while I would have preferred if he had like at least some just some minor uh, prosthetics to give him a little bit more of an alien look I think that his presence in this film was really good 
when he showed up in certain scenes he looked menacing and creepy but he also is coming from a very understandable place when we come across his character and then see what he went through to see him go ahead and start killing gods you understand why and there have been some comparisons to Killmonger in terms of Gore's motivations and why he's choosing to do things and while I don't think he's as compelling as Killmonger the comparisons are pretty apt and I think he's definitely one of the villains that stand out more so than you know the basic boring ones that we get in the MCU on occasions. Bale commits to this role he can be super intense and creepy but also quite funny and uh, a little weird on occasion so that was pretty cool. Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie or King Valkyrie she was great she's always been fun i like how she's very chill has these great moments of humor but she's also you know a character who's dealt with loss and hasn't really processed it sort of similar to thor but she hides it a lot better but now that she's like you know managing new asgard she has a lot of new and additional responsibilities so to see her in that environment but also get back to the battlefield and do some ass kicking was pretty cool and then you have the return of Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, which I know a bunch of people weren't excited for, but I was. And I feel like my Natalie Portman obsession is coming back in full force again because she was so good. Her character has endured a lot. And I only wish that there was more time with her to see what was going on with her prior to her, her reintroduction with Thor and then just seeing what was going on with her during her new phase as the new mighty thor but i thought portman was really good in the role she really threw herself in there and her character had this interesting mix of being you know a little melancholy somber but also being very strong determined kind of silly but also very fun and i think that portman and hemsworth have really solid chemistry in this film I feel like with, again, the way in which they were able to retroactively change the nature of their relationship via this film, I could definitely get on board with this relationship way more than I ever could in, like, you know, previous film entries. She was just really solid. And I also like Portman's time with uh, Thompson as well. They have a good back and forth. And then, yeah, just with the other characters that show up in this film, it was great to see Jamie Alexander come back as Sif. That was pretty cool. Taika Waititi as Korg. Korg is Korg, essentially, and while I don't think he had as many funny lines as he has in the past, I do like what he was able to bring to this film with some interesting lines of dialogue and, you know, just some weird moments of humor. Russell Crowe's Zeus, I was not expecting that accent, but I thought he was pretty solid in his role and he had a couple of the best laughs in the movie for me. And yeah, the feature of Guardians of the Galaxy, I know some people have been pissed with like, you know, how they were handled in this movie, but I assumed that with the way in which this film was going to go down, they weren't going to be in it for that much anyway, but their contribution to this movie was pretty cool. So yeah, overall, the cast was pretty solid. All right, and now it's time to talk about the presentation. And honestly, it was one of my favorite aspects of this film. I quite like the action sequences and the way this film looks visually in general. I felt like the CGI overall was really nice, very crisp, and for the most part, it just looked a lot sharper and cleaner than a lot of the other CGI I've seen in previous Marvel films and TV shows over the last six months. I feel like the action sequences were all done with a very good sense of choreography, a nice sense of space, some good varied camera shots, and there were some creative decisions made 
when it came to going to some of these new worlds, the way in which some of the actions depicted, the use of color, especially in the Shadow Realm. I really like the use of color and the lack of it on occasion. Everything just looked very distinctive and purposeful. And when compared to something like Doctor Strange, which obviously had a lot going on with its uh, alternate dimensions and the magic and all that sort of stuff, I just felt like comparing the two of these, Thor Love and Thunder just had much cleaner visual effects and it just didn't look as blurry and like, for lack of a better term, fake looking as it did with uh, Doctor Strange. Now again, granted, Doctor Strange has a lot more going on, but when you're trying to give someone the impression that they're in a live space surrounded by all this crazy stuff, that film just didn't work as well as like Thor did. I also quite like some of the action sequences, and while I wouldn't say that there's anything that rivals any of the crazy action sequences that we saw with, like, say, Shang-Chi or Spider-Man No Way Home, I still felt like there was some pretty kick-ass stuff going on when it came to the Shadow Realm and some other moments here and there. And the fact that Gore's shadow abilities came out as good-looking as they did was pretty darn good, because I've seen shadow effects in live action and there are ways that you can make that stuff look bloody awful but i feel like it was handled pretty well i really like the lighting in this movie and on a couple of occasions that looked pretty nice as well and um when it comes to the music i had no clue that my boy michael giacchino was back again to score another marvel project that was mad it's crazy that he's done at least three different characters in the mcu so far so with doctor strange being the first one and then he ended up working on Spider-Man the year afterwards. And then he's moved over to Thor now, which is pretty interesting. And he's working on this film score along with a lady by the name of Nami Melumad. And I hadn't heard of her before this, but apparently she's worked on at least a couple projects that have been within the recent sphere that people are aware of. Like uh, Star Trek New Worlds and what well, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, sorry, and Star Trek Prodigy. She's also done some stuff for HBO in the form of An American Pickle and uh, Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. So yeah, she has a pretty good mixture of work in under her belt. And I felt like the film score was pretty interesting. It definitely had a rock enthused kind of vibe, but there were certainly some nice smaller moments for you to feel the emotional elements that I think Jakino is really well versed in. And I, my only issue was I wish we heard more film score because it was drowned out by the massive selection of, you know, was it uh, rock-based music that was selected for this. And don't get me wrong, I don't mind a soundtrack that utilizes, you know, music effectively. But I've never been keen on, you know, was it film soundtracks overpowering film scores. And I don't mind Guns N' Roses. They were never really my thing. I like some of the music here and there, but the fact that there was like several tracks used over the course of the movie, I'm just like, calm down, man. Like, you know, is it, we can still use traditional film scores. It's not like that's a medium that's dead, right? But yeah, they really lean into that heavy 80s rock kind of stuff. And if that's your vibe, that's your vibe. And I didn't mind it. I just wish there was a little less of it. So yeah, in conclusion, I quite liked Thor Love and Thunder. I wasn't going into this film expecting much. I thought this film was actually just not going to be that compelling for me. But it ended up being much better than I had hoped, and I liked it more than Thor Ragnarok. I know, blasphemy, especially considering now uh, the conversation online has become pretty toxic. Uh, who would have guessed? 
but most people hate this movie they think it's crap and anyone who likes this film is apparently insane and then there are a few people like me who like this film just a bit more than Ragnarok for XYZ reasons but whenever you get a opinion that's outside of the popular one you either have to super justify your reasons for why you like that or just you know you might you know provide a logical explanation as to why you like it and the internet will still attempt to bury you anyway because you are wrong so i'm choosing to engage in the conversation surrounding this film in very selective places i can understand why this film wouldn't be for everybody but for me this ticked the boxes that i required and i just had a good time with it so if you're interested give it a watch i'll be curious to know what side of the fence you fall on and yeah just if you have any thoughts, let me know in the comment section below or holler at me on Twitter where I'm at Hypersonic55 or at FilmFocus55. Check out the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and all those other places where podcasts can be found. And yeah, I guess I'll do it for the time being. Thank you for listening as always. And until the next time, this is the Hypersonic55 signing out. Peace.